You're listening to The Right Process, a podcast in which one writer tells the story of completing one work from concept to completion. I'm your host, Charlie Jensen. The Right Process is sponsored by Antioch University's Low Residency MFA program in creative writing. Want to learn how to write fiction, nonfiction, poetry, young adult, screenwriting, or playwriting in a two-year program that's mostly remote? Apply by visiting antioch.edu slash apply. Hi, my name is Alexandra Alessandri, and I wrote a picture book titled Feliz New Year, Eva Gabriela, illustrated by Adi Rivera Sonda. Alexandra Alessandri is the author of Feliz New Year, Eva Gabriela, which won a silver medal in the 2020 Florida Book Awards and the forthcoming Isabel and Her Colores Go to School. The daughter of Colombian immigrants, she is also an associate professor of English at Broward College and a poet, with some of her work appearing in the Ascentos Review, Rio Grande Review, Atlanta Review, and Young Adult Review Network. She received her BA and MA degrees in English from Florida International University and a certificate in fiction writing from UCLA Extension. When not writing or teaching, Alexandra spends her time daydreaming relearning the piano, and planning her next great adventure with her family. She lives in Florida with her husband, son, and hairless pup, dreaming of Colombia. Feliz New Year, Eva Gabriela, illustrated by Abby Rivera Sonda, is about a shy little girl, Eva Gabriela, who is visiting her extended family in Colombia for the holidays. She's excited to take part in family traditions, such as making buñuelos and saying goodbye to El Año Viejo, but being around all her loud relatives in an unfamiliar place makes Eva shy and quiet. How will she find her voice before she misses out on all the New Year's fun? Feliz New Year, Eva Gabriela started as, I guess you could say a mashup of different ideas. I had initially written a manuscript through UCLA Extension about a holiday tradition in Colombia that I loved celebrating with my family. That manuscript got me my agent, however, it didn't sell. In 2018, I did uh, something called Story Storm, uh, initially called Paibo Idmo, Picture Book Idea Month. And it is essentially an idea generating month. It is run by Tara Lazar, a picture book author who has authors come and do blog posts on brainstorming and story ideas. And the goal of that is to come up with 30 story ideas in a month. So kind of like NaNoWriMo, but for picture books and picture book ideas. And so in January of 2018, one of those posts actually had me brainstorm different ways that my culture, my cultural traditions, celebrations, festivities, family events could lend themselves to story. And so I had a bunch of notebooks, I have an obsession with and a collection of these notebooks that I use just to kind of brainstorm and list ideas. And I do a lot of that brainstorming by hand. So same celebrations and foods and traditions that I had in a previous manuscript, but then I had a bunch more and I really kind of honed in on the New Year's celebrations and I'm an only child, big family. So I wanted kind of those elements in it, but I had no idea what the story was. I had no character. I had nothing except these ideas. And, and that doesn't really work for story, right? So I put it aside. I kept doing story storm. Nothing really came from that. And then later that year, 
during New Year's, we were celebrating with some friends. We were outside and their daughter was really shy and she was kind of hiding behind mom and she didn't really want to speak to anybody. And when the fireworks went off, she got so excited and she just started squealing and jumping. And I said, Ayo, you found your voice. And I had the first line of the story. And kind of like in that moment, I had a character. I knew that her name was going to be Ava. I knew that she was going to allow fireworks to kind of draw her voice out. I knew it was going to have to do with all this cultural part of my experience, but I still didn't fully have the story yet. And so now I sat in earnest though, and I just kind of started listing all the things that I knew about Ava, the fictional Ava. I started really thinking about what she wanted, which was to find her voice. I had this idea of almost like a, a literal hide and seek with the voice. I started listing the different ways and phrases that we have related to voice, like still small voice, find your voice, indoor voice, in English and in Spanish. And then I started with questions. Maybe she does this. Maybe she, maybe she can't, they tell her that she can't, the cat got her tongue and she looks at herself in the mirror and no, nope, her tongue's still there. Or maybe she goes searching for this voice throughout the farm because I knew at this moment that I wanted to set the story in Colombia. Maybe, or what if her grandmother is giving her a hard time about this as grandmas in Colombia are going to do. I just started listing and trying to get a sense of where the story was going. And once I had that sense, I sat down and I wrote. Usually when I write longer works, I'm a big plotter. I need my outlines. For picture books, it's a little different. I still do a lot of outlining, but it's very loose outlining. It's literally the brainstorming, listing, doodling. I don't know if that counts as outlining, but I need to know where the story is going before I actually sit down and write. Now, Feliz New Year, Eva Gabriela was an easy story to write. And this is not my normal. For other stories, I've really struggled in trying to get the individual events and have them work within the context of the character, where I think the story is going, the climax. In this case, the bones of the first rough draft, draft zero, came probably within a day or two. I say rough bones because I had a story from beginning to end, but it still needed work, of course, because writing is writing. I had a spark with the story from the beginning that I knew that this there was something in the story. I don't know if it was that I could really see the character and see her personality and see the emotional arc as opposed to just through the plot, but I didn't want to stop revising. So I wrote that first draft. I read through it. I made a few changes. I printed it out. I went back. I revised some more, shifted some things around. Some of the opening lines, especially the beginning, I struggled with. It wasn't feeling right. So I sent it to some of my critique partners and they read it. They gave me their feedback. I revised some more. I probably went through about six or seven versions of this story before I felt it was ready to send to my agent. Because I teach, and because I navigate a chronic illness, a lot of the, the sayings of you sit down and write every day, I actually can't. However, when I sat down to write it, again, I 
wrote it fairly quickly. I spent probably most of that first week working on that draft for maybe an hour or two a day. So that was not my norm because I don't generally get that time to work on stories. It, perhaps it was happy coincidence that it was the start of the semester and I just had a little bit of extra time, but I did not want to let this go. I, I was afraid that if I stopped writing, the spark would disappear. Between the initial writing and the revising, I did put it aside for a few days. And then when I would receive the feedback from my critique partners, I would spend several days back to back again, because I didn't want to lose that spark revising it. And I think that is probably why I got it done within a month, month and a half. I went through seven drafts, six, seven drafts in a month, month and a half. One of the things that probably helps in sitting down and writing the full story in one sitting is that it, in comparison to, let's say, a novel, picture books are rather short. I think the sweet spot is somewhere around 500 to 600 words. This story started off over a thousand words. Again, I was really excited. I couldn't stop with this idea. And I overwrote, which tends to be the opposite of what I do with picture books. I tend to underwrite and then add. In this case, the hardest part in revising the story was trying to figure out which details to keep and which to leave. I think that the final number in terms of word count is around 700 and something, 700 and change. Initially, I wrote the story in verse form. I was paying particular attention to the lines and writing it in such a way that it was free verse. However, that did change throughout the revision so that it took on a more prose-like structure. When I'm revising picture books, and especially with Feliz New Year, Eva Gabriela, because it was so long, First of all, I printed it out. I have to print my work after I've written it because I need to see it on paper. It allows me to physically and manually interact with the text by actually writing notes, highlighting, scratching out, doodling. I go back to doodling, making notes. But probably because poetry and picture books share a lot in common and probably because I spent a lot of years with poetry before I actually started writing fiction or writing for kids, a lot that goes into my revision process is actually listening to the way the sounds work. Because picture books like poetry beg to be read aloud, that we really want that read aloud quality, the sound of the words, the way they come together on the page is very important. It, and it goes beyond the imagery or the figured up language. Of course, that's important too, but the sound, really those sound elements. But before I can even get there, I need to make sure that I am within that word count. So when I wrote Feliz New Year, Eva Gabriela, because I was so over word counts, there was an initial freak out moment of what am I doing with this? I wasn't used to writing long. I was used to writing short and building on it. So how do I, how do I take out so many of my darlings? How many, how do I take out so many things that I love? I think I had at one point, there's a tradition that we have 
with luggage. So for New Year's Eve, we have luggage ready and at hand so that at the stroke of midnight, you grab that luggage, you go around your neighborhood with it in hand in hopes that you're going to travel. I really love that. But one of the things that I really had to consider was in the scope of the story, the character. Did that make sense? Did I really need every single tradition that we had? And the answer was no, I didn't. I tried to focus on which were the most important. And specifically, I tried to identify their role and their purpose in the story. So one of the main themes is Ava trying to find ways to be okay with her shyness, but also she's given that space to be able to come into her voice on her own terms. So which of the elements served that purpose? Traveling did not serve that purpose. Having luck, like the grapes, when we have 12 grapes for 12 months of good luck, having luck in that and in the yellow underwear, that served the purpose. And so did the Año Viejo, though I, I really left that one, I think, because it is such a fun tradition for me, but also because that ends up being the catalyst for her towards the end of almost like a relationship with it in terms of feeling comfortable enough to speak up and speak out. Something else to mention, when I am writing and I am piecing together the story and the plot, I like using a storyboard. And I normally don't do this at the beginning. I do this actually after I've written that draft zero. One of the things that I did often as I was revising is really plugging in those pieces into the storyboard. No big bells and whistles, uh, keep it simple, right? I used Microsoft Word. I have a template that I actually learned from Terry Pierce at the UCLA Extension that has served me all these years. I plug in the information, make sure that the page breaks are working, that the problem is introduced by that second, third page spread. And after I write out that initial draft where it's just the text and the story, I also look at the page breaks. I break up and I separate it into the manuscript so that I can see where those page breaks are. How can I move the text to really capitalize on the momentum, how I can create that anticipation in the reader. One of the things that I look for when I am planning out page breaks, and they don't start right away, the page breaks really come in and probably in a second or third draft, once I know and I'm certain of what the story is, I have a, a clear sense of a beginning of a middle and of an end. Part of what goes for me anyways, in terms of page breaks is almost like a response, a, a call and response with the reader. So that right before the page breaks, there is a question or there is something that the character is about to do or something that ends up almost like in a cliffhanger so that we have to turn the page to know what's going to happen. A friend of mine, Christina Diaz Gonzalez, who's written several middle grade novels, she would call them the dun 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 for chapter endings. And I kind of just have clung on to that idea of this. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and apply them to the page breaks. And it doesn't always work that way. But when possible, I really look at those places in the narrative that something else is going to come from it. One of Ava's aunts extends her hand and says, do you want to come make buñuelos with me? And she hesitates and it's, 
Will she take their hand? Won't she take the hand? Let's find out. When she's going to say something, is she going to say thank you? Will she say thank you? And then turn the page to find out if she does. And I have found actually that that anticipation actually works really great during school visits and reading the story aloud because you can kind of almost dramatize it and build upon it. I will say this, however, my editors have changed some of them. So I come with a vision and the vision of the page breaks and putting it into spreads is helpful for my agent and my editor, but ultimately they reshuffle it to be able to fit their needs. Many of my original page breaks though, did make it into the final draft. My agent and I had already had a relationship Feliz New Year, Eva Gabriela was not the first book that I wrote with the intention of publishing. It was not the first book that had gone on submission. In fact, I met my agent in an SCBWI Florida conference in January of 2014. And I had a fairy tale moment in that I met her, we connected and she loved the young adult novel that I had been working on. And she signed me on for that and a picture book manuscript that I had workshopped through the UCLA extension. Unfortunately, those stories didn't sell. I got close with the picture book, but it was too niche. And I kept writing in January of 2014. I signed with my agent, wrote several picture books, a couple of middle grade and young adult novels. In 2019, I sold this manuscript. So it took me four years of hard work, sweat, tears, got very close to giving up, hanging in the towel. My agent would always tell me, don't give up, keep at it you know, just keep going. You have something special to offer. Just keep working. So I did. She would always talk me off the ledge. I had gotten to the point of revision where I couldn't make it any better on my own. I had gone through several rounds of revision with critique partners. So I sent it to her. I generally start with a pitch for my agent. I, I kind of like writing pitches and some of my writer friends think I'm weird for that. So I usually start with a pitch trying to grab the heart of the story plus where it fits in the market. This time I hadn't sent her a pitch ahead of time. I went straight to writing it. She went over it, gave me some feedback, revision. She was excited about it. There was a little bit of a concern that perhaps it was a little too niche like the other picture book had, but we worked on getting it to a good spot and sent it to agents. And one of the things that I was hopeful or we were hopeful is because it, it wasn't just around the holiday traditions, but because it was also having this emotional shyness thread. It wasn't just about the celebrating of holidays, but also of overcoming shyness and really tapping into kids who also exhibit those characteristics. I was a shy kid. I still am a shy adult. I was really hopeful that that would help kind of move this into just, oh, it's a cute holiday story to something a little more universal. And it worked. And that was one of the things that resonated with editors. Feliz New Year, Eva Gabriela sold fairly quickly. And it's not the norm. And I, I'm going to say that just because, again, four years of going on submission with different projects for many years and nothing selling. This was not the first book I sold. This was actually the second book I sold. And the first book I sold went through a lot more change as well. 
For Feliz Nuya Eva Gabriela, we went on submission in June, July of 2019. And by August, I had interest from my editor at Albert Whitman and Company, but it wasn't an immediate offer. It was a, I really love this. Can you revise this aspect? And it was really to draw out her emotional internal arc. So I revised and I sent it back to her. And by September, October, I had an offer. It was faster than my other stories. It wasn't you know, from one day to the next. <laughs> My editor was wonderful. She had a really keen eye. I did go through multiple rounds with her initially to really hammer down the story, the plot and the character development. After the revise and resubmit that led to the offer, I actually had an edit letter from her and inline edits right as we were hammering out the offer. But she had really great feedback in terms of making the character and the plot better. I initially, I started off with almost that literal hide and seek, and that was revised so that instead of a physical aspect of searching for a voice, it was more naturally drawn out through interactions with the family, which one of the things that I love about working with an editor is that they're able to capture what needs to improve and the heart of your story so that when you see it you're like really how did i not see that you feel like an idiot sometimes because it's like it's so plain to see once they point it out meanwhile the art director in conjunction with her they were looking for an illustrator and i don't have any say in who the illustrator is or even what goes into it and before going into this that was probably one of the biggest fears that i had you live with characters for so long in your head. You've written these stories and, you know, what if you don't love what the illustrator does? But I've been very lucky so far that first they gave me the name, you know, the name of the illustrator, Adi Rivera Sonda, and they showed me some of her sample work. And I was like, I love it. It's beautiful. They worked with her to create the sketches for the cover. And so I saw black and white sketches for the cover and I was like, I love it. And then I got the sketches for the interior spreads and then the color illustrations. And really at each step of the way, I've just been blown away with what Ali has brought to the book, how she's brought Ava to life and the farm life. It's been really wonderful. A lot of the scenes I had kind of envisioned them inside, like inside the building. And she took some of those scenes out into the actual farm. And it was wonderful seeing that book kind of come to life in that sense. Once we had the story itself revised, she removed any page spreads, put them into a document, sent it to the art director, and they put it on a page in terms of the layout. Then they worked with the illustrator to work the sketches and the illustrations and pair it up with the text and seeing what goes where. I didn't interact with my illustrator until a few months before the book published. And it was through social media. We followed each other on Instagram and just connected in that sense. And so whenever reviews came out, we would tag each other and that kind of stuff. But aside from that, no. Now I did get, usually I, I went in with the understanding that I have no input, that this is the way it works with picture books. You have no input, just like book covers. You have no, or you don't have a lot of input. So I had that in my head. 
However, my editor did ask me along the way several key questions. So she wanted to know what I envisioned in terms of the cover. Did I have a scene from the book that I would love to see as part of the cover? Did I have any thoughts in terms of illustration style? And so that was wonderful, being able to have at least a little bit of that input. I didn't want to step on the illustrator's toes though, because it is a hybrid project. It is their book as much as it is mine. So I, I just let it go and, and I gave my, my small feedback. When I would get the illustrations for the interior spreads, they asked me to look it over, see if I noticed anything that needed a change or anything that was that would stand out or that I didn't love, but I've been very lucky. I think one of the things that I was anticipating was if there was anything surprising. Feliz New Year, Eva Gabriela was cover first, then illustrations. For Isabel and her colores, I got sample character illustrations first, then the interior, and then at the end, I got the cover. So one of the surprising things is that just when you think you know the way the process works, something happens that it changes it up. So it's just, it's not, it's generally the same, but not always exactly the same. Real life Ava, I think has a love-hate relationship with this. Uh, her mom loves it. Her mom is super excited. She was very excited about the story and, and Ava loved hearing it and she loved listening to the story she would ask about it and she was excited when I gave her uh, an autographed copy of the book. But when her mom suggested that I go speak in her class and read the book and do kind of a story time and Q&A, she was, nope, 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 nope. She was not having it. She did not want that because she didn't want everyone to know that that was her. It was a little tricky in that sense. She she loves the story. She loves that it's her. She loves that her name is in there. She just doesn't love the idea of the attention on her. In writing the stories, because I had gone through so much rejection, perhaps, uh, or just because it's part of my nature, the hardest part for me in terms of the process has to be hands down my battle with imposter syndrome. I go through it, not just for in the writing, but also as a teacher, you know, you're reevaluating and just kind of always wondering, am I good enough? Is this story good enough? There was a lot of self-doubt. And even as it kind of just poured out, I kept wondering, is it good enough? No one's going to want to read this. I got rejected for the other story that was about the holidays and, you know, that didn't go anywhere. Why is anybody going to want to read this one? And the hardest part is pushing through that, reclaiming that, yes, I have the story to tell. And yes, it is, it matters. And yes, people are going to read it and they're going to want to read it. Aside from the usual, right, right? I was told once at the beginning of my journey that when I reached a million words, I'd be ready for publication. That was from a colleague of mine who also wrote. But I, I think that a piece of advice that I have for aspiring writers, one that I, I wish I had been told earlier on was keep your eyes on your own journey. Every story has a different journey. Every story has a different process. Sometimes you think you know what works and then it, the next story switches it up. But also every author has their own journey. And a lot of times when we see success, 
we see that tip of the iceberg. We think, oh, it went to auction. Oh, within three weeks it sold. Oh, fairy tale, you know, agent matchup at a conference. And that's part of the journey, but it's not the whole journey. And sometimes I have a really good friend who is incredibly talented and she went through 13 young adult novels before she sold one. And then it, she sold several in quickly and she then she, it was middle grade and then it was a picture book. And so just every journey is different. Don't measure your own success based on that of others. And now a reading from Feliz New Year, Eva Gabriela. The day before New Year's Eve, Eva Gabriela stood with Mama and Papa in Abuelita's finca. Eva's tías and tíos, primas and primos, didn't feel like familia yet. They felt like strangers. Say hola, Mama told Eva. Eva's heart thumped like Papa's tambor. She opened her mouth. Nothing. Speak up, Ava Gabriela, Papa said. Abuelita added. Mija, te comieron la lengua los ratones. Tío Mario's laugh thundered. Eva hid behind Mama. No, mice had not nibbled on her tongue. But how was she supposed to speak with so many eyes staring at her? Eva wished she didn't feel as small as a mouse. It's okay, Tia Nena said. Want to make buñuelos? Eva hesitated, but the fried cheesy fritters were her favorite. Mama always made them for the holidays. So when Tia Nena held out her hand, Eva took it. Her primo Sarita and Javier joined them in the kitchen. Together, they cracked eggs, measured flour, and tossed in cheese. When the others weren't looking, she swiped some. Eva loved cheese. Hmm, she murmured. Maybe her voice hadn't completely disappeared. They mixed, squeezed, and kneaded the dough. Then Tia Nena dusted the counter with flour, and they rolled the masa into round bolitas. Her cousins chattered and laughed. Eva didn't. But when Eva wasn't looking, Tia Nena sprinkled her with flour. Eva giggled. She wanted to yell, food fight! But the words stuck on her tongue. Why couldn't they just come out? All done, Tia Nena said. Go on, have fun. Sarita and Javier dashed out of the kitchen. Eva trailed behind. She wanted to call out, wait! but her voice hid like a mouse in its hole. So instead, she wandered the finca alone. She found Mama with Abuelita sipping cafecitos and eating bocadillos. Would you like one? Abuelita asked. Eva nodded. She nibbled a small guava square until it was all gone. Why am I so shy? She whispered. Oh, amor, Mama said. There's nothing wrong with being shy. When you're ready, your voice will come out and play. Mama gathered Ava in a giant hug. It made her feel a tiny bit better. Ava kept exploring until she found her primo Pedro sitting cross-legged on the terrace floor, blowing up balloons. She wanted to ask, what are you doing? Instead, she sat quietly beside him and watched. Did you come to help with El Año Viejo? Pedro asked. She'd never heard of the old year. It's a balloon doll. We build them to say goodbye to the old year. And at midnight, we pop them. Ava's mouth rounded into a perfect, <gasps> she wanted to say, yes, I'll help. 
but nothing. Her too shy voice was going to make her miss out on all the fun. Why don't you build the Año Viejo, Pedro said. I'll blow up more balloons. Pedro puffed and Eva stuffed. Together, they built the old year doll until all that was left was to draw his face. Pedro handed her a marker. Eva's heart thumped like a tambor. She should say thank you. She could say thank you. Gracias. The word was whispery soft, but tasted sweet like dulce de leche. She drew a mouth on the doll and giggled. It looked ready to talk like a loro mojado. Maybe soon she would be the one talking like a wet parrot. The Right Process is hosted and curated by me, Charlie Jensen. This season was produced by Jamie Moss. The Writer's Program offers courses, certificates, and services that help writers achieve their writing goals one page at a time. For more information, visit writers.uclaextension.edu.